I've got some common fruits here that can be used to moisten the bowels and get things moving. The first one that's the easiest fruit to use would be bananas. A lot of people turn to fruits just naturally to move their bowels, like they might even have some dried fruit. Um, but if your bowels are sensitive to, okay, you might not be able to go and then you have the dried fruit, then you're like, whoa, like, <laughs> hold up, hold up a minute. Like it's all coming out. The way to coax that fruit into your system a bit easier would be to steam it or stew it. Other thing that pears are good for at, compared to these fruits, these stone fruits, is pears don't create more damp or phlegm in your body. Whereas these fruits are very thick and juicy and rich and they can so if you have the tendency to dampness and or phlegminess in your throat don't go for these go for the pear hi welcome back to the chinese medicine podcast i'm a herbalist and acupuncturist today we're going to be talking about constipation welcome to the channel if you're new here and you haven't subscribed yet then click that subscribe button and that notification bell this is in response to a subscriber's question that don't know anything about chinese medicine they're interested in something because they have that condition today's video is a little bit more towards a, a student level understanding and this is in response to a subscriber's question. They um, put a comment on a video I did about insomnia and how I went through different patterns of disharmony that were there. And I'm gonna do the same thing in today's video, but about constipation. So kind of giving you an overview of how does, how does traditional Chinese medicine see the pattern of constipation? Now I'm gonna use three books. One that is a very well-known book in Chinese medicine for students called The Practice of Chinese Medicine by Giovanni Macchiocho. If you're studying Chinese medicine, you'd probably have used that. Um, this one here, which has got some Chinese diet therapy applications for various different patterns. We'll talk about that one as well. So some food treatments you can use. Um, I'll, I'll discuss that. And this book here that I like, um, it's by Will McLean and Jane Littleton. It's an Australian um, produced book. It's very, if you're a student of Chinese medicine, this is one of the best ones um, it's a series of three and they've just reproduced this as a, a larger book. I'm not promoting books on this channel as in I'm not sponsored by any of these people. But um, I, do, I, did, I did find this very useful when I was practicing just TCM. Now that I do classical Chinese medicine, I don't really use these books anymore. But I use them for my teaching when we talk about TCM. So there's eight different patterns mentioned in this book. I think there's seven in Giovanni and there's about three or four in this one here. So what are these patterns? We've got heat, food stagnation, this is from this one here, qi stagnation, phlegm accumulation, um, and then some deficient um, reasons. So blood deficiency, qi deficiency, yin deficiency, yang deficiency with cold accumulation. So right from the go get, the outset we can we can determine that constipation can be caused by deficient reasons like the body's not got enough substance that's what a deficiency pattern is um, it's it's not working as well as it should be in a classical Chinese medicine system we often class this or call this as taxation um, in TCM they just use that term deficiency and they also use the opposite term called excess now that can just be a little bit misleading because you think excess what is it says how can you have an excess but it's it's um they don't mean an excess of the things you should have it means that there's things coming into your body 
that shouldn't be there. For instance, you're, you've been in contact with the environment and the, now you've got a cold or a flu. Now that usually wouldn't cause a constipation pattern, but it can happen from food because your intestine is directly in contact, obviously, with food. <laughs> and that's going to be the main perpetrator of the problem, right? The food. So <clears throat> that's, that's one aspect. So that would be the easiest solve if that was your situation. Now, some people just don't want to change their diet or they just refuse to acknowledge that it could be that and they, they just want to continue on. Um, and what will happen is if you're eating foods that are not agreeing with you, or they're straining your body to digest the food, eventually you will get a deficiency pattern. Eventually things will wear out. It's like putting too much strain on something, the machinery will work for a season, but then it just, after a while, it's going to be used. And that's why that terminology in classical Chinese medicine resonates really well, saying taxation. It's like you've taxed that, you've, you've overused it, you've overworked it. So we're going to go into the Giovanni patterns here. And he talks about um, having heat. Um, heat so, so heat patterns, one is um, uh, chronic interior heat, acute heat in febrile disease. This would be a cold or a flu um, leading to a fever. And then that's, that's caused a constipation pattern. Uh, chi stagnation or stagnation of liver chi. Then four deficiency patterns. So the same as listed in the McLean and Littleton book, qi deficiency, blood deficiency, yang deficiency, and yin deficiency. So the let's just go through these patterns, I guess, and talk about what the different symptoms are and how to, how to treat them. Now, I'm not going to focus on all of them because we could be here for a long time. And just bearing in mind this is more at a first-year Chinese medicine level, something like this would take at least a three-hour lecture to cover these things and there'd be a lot of like a, you'd already have six months to a year's worth of knowledge um, of understanding the five elements, understanding those basic concepts before you even get to talking about something at this level. So it, it's okay if you don't fully comprehend it, but I'll still give you <laughs> do my best to explain it to you. Chronic interior heat. This um, can sometimes be seen in people with illnesses like Crohn's disease or um, uh, irritable bowel syndrome or something like that, like where there's, there's an aspect of that, that sometimes they could have alternating constipation and diarrhea within the pattern. So um, something to bear in mind before we get started in these patterns is Chinese medicine diagnosis is a pattern of disharmony Western medicine diagnosis is a disease. Uh, there are some diseases that are most often a particular pattern or sometimes a, uh, um, always one particular pattern, but inevitably there's many diseases that manifest in different patterns in Chinese medicine because of other reasons than what Western medicine can comprehend as part of the situation. So things like might be the environment which a person lives in, um, the constitution of their body and what they've done to their body and how it's responded in that way. Like, for instance, people living in colder conditions, um, you know, their their digestive system gets used to eating particular foods, whereas people in hotter environments, you know, typically would eat um, 
different foods and their digestive system gets used to that and then you take those people out of that environment they're not used to that um, cultural reasons like cultural foods that people eat um, through probably a genetic resilience to certain foods right some people can eat something like um, chili or something and become you know very loose stalled after a certain amount of it after a very small amount of it whereas other people have a tolerance kind of to it so all of these things are nuanced aspects of how Chinese medicine sees our body um, so please bear that in mind this is not a replacement for a diagnosis and if you if you're watching this and you've got constipation there are some things you can do naturally to help yourself and I have done a video on those things already but inevitably the treatment of it comes back to a practitioner and the, the ability to make a diagnosis is very important that you see a practitioner to get that diagnosis right and just like with western medicine sometimes you have to see several practitioners to get a second opinion in chinese medicine if you've had a diagnosis and the treatment and it hasn't worked for you um, then it might be that that diagnosis wasn't correct or that there are multiple treatments within that diagnosis especially when we talk about formulas of herbs and acupuncture um, particularly herbs there's you know multiple different formulas sometimes for the same pattern in, in a TCM sense so let's talk about firstly heat so this concept of heat um, in Chinese medicine is a very common uh, one and essentially what it's meaning is that heat has a has the properties of drying so if I had a glass of water and I applied heat to it or it was a hot day it's going to evaporate quicker than if it's a cooler day so that's what happens in our intestines heat dries the fluids and that's what then can cause us to not be not have enough fluid in the bowels and they become dry and hard to get out so before we even got into this topic of talking about the patterns of disharmony we should probably talk about what's a real uh, natural bowel movement what's normal and what's not normal so in Chinese medicine they think normal is once a day a properly formed stool which you could think of it as like a soft sausage coming out and it shouldn't be hard to come out like straining a lot hard to push out um, it shouldn't be many times to go that can sometimes be classed as incomplete bowel movement so you feel like the need to go or urgency to go like, oh I've got to go and then quickly go um, and it's normal for people to not know sometimes when they've got a complex pattern like these some of these symptoms I'm saying whether they do have constipation or diarrhea uh, it, it might just be like sometimes they have both alternating constipation and diarrhea particularly if you've got a diagnosis like irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's disease you know I have many patients that will say oh one day it's loose and then you know then the next few days I find it hard to go so that can be very uh, complex of how we treat it because generally with herbs we don't sort of go oh here's the herbs for the days you feel constipated and then you just quickly switch it to these herbs for the days you feel diarrhea it's like looking at the cause of the problem in Chinese medicine so that your practitioner is kind of addressing that and then the body's regulating things so in any case it should be once a day properly formed now if a person goes regularly and it's twice a day that's okay as long as it's easy to come out and it's not sort of um, you know two times in the in the morning because one's incomplete and it's not able to come out properly so that would be the optimal kind of thing uh, so heat is the first pattern the first idea the first concept that can cause some of these problems and you see this a lot in children 
because they have a lot of exuberant yang so they have more of this heaty kind of energy about their body see that with little kids they run around a lot easily they have a lot of energy to do that and they tend to get fevers and get hot very quickly so what can happen to our our uh, digestive tract in Chinese medicine that's our stomach down to our large intestine so the classification of those organs the stomach and the large intestine are classed as yang ming organs and the functional aspects of that yang ming is that it can heat up so we see that in classical Chinese medicine in terms of formulas like um, da chung chi tang or something like that which is formulas for when the yang ming is heated up and there's a there's a, a need to kind of purge the bowel because there's a blockage there it's been been kind of stuck there so that's what Giovanni's kind of talking about here when he talks about acute heat in in febrile disease so he's using that formula da chang chi tang now in a classical chinese medicine we would we wouldn't say that pattern name we just the pattern name is the formula name so they'd say we had the person has a da chang chi tang kind of pattern and quite often in that case um there's like a, a fullness of the abdomen the person's going to feel sick or um you know it could have been a result of after they've had a febrile disease what happens when people have a fever they generally sweat when they sweat they lose their fluids and they're going to dry out more easily so that process is very easy to see also sometimes people have had a, a vomiting disease and that could lead to this like you know you've had food poisoning and you've had the runs from the food poisoning like you've had diarrhea and then you kind of you're, you're feeling so weak after that and then because you've you're so weakened from losing fluids from especially if you've had um, food poisoning with like a fever and you know um, and gastroenteritis or something like that you, you you're very depleted at that stage and so that that lack of fluids means there's just not enough fluids in the bowels and so it can be dry pebbly kind of stools or just hard to go like pushing and pushing or not maybe not going for for a few days so that formula is a very strong purgative formula and that's kind of the first method of treating constipation a purging formula right so um, purging the bowels making the bowels kind of go opening the bowels in Chinese medicine would say and there's milder versions of these types of formulas used so ban sha she xin tang or gan cha she xin tang these kind of formulas are like milder purging formulas which are very not really not not really a purging um by some standards at all but they are opening the bowels and they are kind of moving things whereas you've got some i'm just letting you know these like this this arsenal of stuff that chinese medicine has got and some of them are very strong and it's kind of like you're gonna know <laughs> you're gonna go after this you know so you kind of would warn the patients this is what you take this formula and a, a tongue means a um a, a decoction which means it's boiled up so you're drinking all the all of this liquid and um like the what what this formula this da chung chi tongue kind of makes use of is a, a strong salty flavor so there's a herb in there called mang xiao which is a white looks almost like meth <laughs> meth but it's not and um it's just like a white crystally kind of thing and it's very salty so it's kind of purging that out so you might have um even tried this before or seen these kinds of diets like doing a salty purging diet as a detoxing diet like this is the this is the concept that to detox our body so tells us about the salty flavor like we should be careful not to be purging our body all the time and certainly these formulas are reserved for these 
special uses, they wouldn't be something that would be the first thing practitioners would use. If I had a patient that has had constipation for months and months, it's very unlikely that this is going to be the pattern. Possibly could be, but um, it's something that's been going on for a long time is more likely to be a deficiency kind of pattern, or that they might have an excess, like this heat in the Yang Ming kind of thing going on. But if someone's had something for a long time, they could also have some deficiency. So just like in Western medicine when antibiotics are used, right, they're very powerful at doing a particular job. And that's great when that's needed, but it also has a price to be paid with it. And lots of herbal medicines like that as well. People think, oh, Chinese medicine is natural and safe. Well, it's neither of those things in many cases. Like it's, it is, it does come from nature, but it's not natural to boil up a, a, a bag of these potential poisons and drink it. Um, you know, it can be reckless to kind of do that if you're not sure that that's what you should do. So it's one of my reservations in making some of these videos to, and you know, to self tell because I don't want people to think, oh, I'll just order some of these herbs off the internet and 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 give myself a treatment because these purgative type of formulas are very um, used with caution in for most practitioners, right? They should be used for certain periods of time only. Um, it's not something that you would want to use as a re on a regular basis, but if they are needed and they're prescribed properly, they can be very effective for that time. So that's, and it can be very uncomfortable if you've got this type of constipation, you just, and you do just need to purge it and kind of get it out. <laughs> that's what they're going to do. So that's the first way of treating is this purgative opening and moving aspect. So that, that's, that's mo moving as in acting on the, the large intestine to move things outwardly. The other thing that can happen that's not quite a deficiency, but it's also not really an excess, like truly one of these excess things that's not coming in from the environment, is this aspect of stagnant chi or stuck liver chi. It's a very, very common pattern of disharmony called liver chi stagnation, liver uh, chi depression sometimes, or um, uh, liver chi stasis. There's all kinds of names that are used for it. Right? It's the wood element of our body. The liver and the gallbladder are responsible for the movement. They're responsible for movements, cycles, rhythms. And what benefits that is exercise. So if a person sits a lot and they don't exercise much, they can develop chi stagnation very easily, especially if your job is stressful, you have a lot of stuff coming in and not enough kind of outlet to kind of get it out. You, you could end up with easily get chi stagnation. So aside from the bowels, constipation aspect what would generally happen is a person would have a lot of sighing like that going like that they would feel frustrated easily angry or snappy sometimes very emotional the liver tends to rule many of these emotions particularly relating to frustration anger resentment um, even some for some people like premenstrual tension it can all be related to this so your liver job liver's job also has to do with regulating your menstrual cycle so if there's um, constipation around particular times of the cycle then that could be the case I'm not saying it definitely is but that's often particularly if it's the first week of the cycle like it's hard to go um, so uh, this movement of chi is kind of needed also for our peristalsis right it's needed for that now if there's a lack of flow then maybe you won't be able to go <laughs> 
Um, so this is kind of like getting things moving would be liver, what would help move the liver chi would be singing, laughing, exercise, um, self massage of the bowels could help. They could, that could also help with the previous pattern. If there was like really a blockage there and you're trying to move it out. So in general, I'm just going to stand up here so you can kind of see, um, so you can't really notice here, but this is my, um, ribs underneath here. So I can put my hands on my hips here at the side and that's your gallbladder 25 point just at the end of the 12th rib. So that's a good point to kind of press. And if you just come to the middle and you kind of go around your belly, so there's my umbilicus kind of come stand that way. So you can do this patting exercise like this. Okay, you can also do rubbing. And you can kind of just make use of the standard liver chi stagnation treatments that are available in Chinese medicine. So these are things like moving chi through movement, pungent, pungent foods, so coriander, ginger, garlic, mint, basil. These things are all kind of good for moving chi, helping that flow. If this liver chi stagnation has caused dryness in the bowels, which it could because of another co-mingled kind of pattern there, that would more be like a deficiency. Then you would use these moistening the bowel foods that we're going to talk about later on in there. So typically with liver chi stagnation, the stools are like pebbly, but they're not like dried pellets coming out. So that dryness is more when there's deficiency there. Um, so if there's definitely those symptoms going on, like you feel frustrated, angry, um, like the, the hypochondrial pain, the pain underneath the ribs, tightness there, uh, frustration, that kind of stuff then the liver chest stagnation moving things are just generally good for you so it's going to help uh, and so I, that's where I would kind of start with doing that. Another point that you can use for both of the liver chest stagnation and the heat would be this large intestine 4 point here on your hand. This is a very commonly used point, most people know it for headaches. This is on your large intestine Yang Ming channel so it directly affects the intestines so you can press that point um, on either side doesn't matter or both sides you kind of would press that um, you would need some kind of routine if it's hard to go you might get up in the morning I would suggest you do some exercise and often people with cheese stagnation they might need to do exercise before they can go but if that's still not working you could do the self massage on the belly and then do use these points as well okay so we've covered two of those excess kind of patterns um, this text also mentions a couple of other patterns of food stagnation and phlegm accumulation so food stagnation is a pattern basically uh, uh, allowing for overeating and the like uh, indulgence <laughs> we might have so if you think of like christmas day for most people they eat way, way too much food or you go to an all you can eat buffet and you literally just feel sick from that that eating right that's a food stagnation kind of pattern but it also can happen for, for, for some people they can get this kind of pattern from eating too much of certain heavier richer foods and what's happening is it all just kind of sits there and you get distension so distensions like a bloated heavy feeling the best way for most people to uh, uh, think about distension is bloated but it can also be pain right a, a, not a sharp stabbing pain but just a, 
like an uncomfortable bloating not just like oh I feel a bit puffy but feeling pain from that bloating that's distension so that that's the kind of what, what Chinese medicine is thinking about food stagnation it's going to produce that and there is a very commonly used herbal medicine formula that's very easy to get and it, this is this can this can treat food stagnation causing diarrhea or food stagnation causing um, constipation and its name's called Bauher one b-a-o-h-e-w-a-n one means pill and i'll put that at the bottom of the the thing here that's something that i think every every person who's into chinese medicine should have in their medicine cabinet and you can get these little pills all around the world that um that were made by this pharmaceutical company very very famous kind of pills called po chai pills and they come in tiny little vials of about probably about 10 of these little pills in this little these little vials and that's the po chai pills are based on this Bauher one. So either get those po chai pills or that Bauher one. And this is kind of how you would use them. If you've eaten too much food, <laughs> you've gone for a big night out um, and you come home and you feel like, oh, I've just eaten too much. You don't feel sick or anything. You could just take a couple of those. Like if there's, you're talking about that little vial of pills, you just take maybe two or three. Um, if you're hungover, this is also a formula that can be used for that. Now, the, the concept of a hangover is the same thing as food stagnation in Chinese medicine, but it's like you're being now poisoned by the, the excessive aspects of the alcohol. So you'll, you'll have, like, from when things are stagnant, they're stuck, there's a lack of movement, so things aren't digesting properly, but there's also can be some heat kind of created. And th those po chai pills or that Bauher one, formula kind of takes care of that heat and moves the food through the body another very common herb that's used as a you can use it as a tea is called um there's a few different ones i'll mention them so shanja is a herb that's used as hawthorn berry you can eat that fruit but it's usually dried and then um, drunk as a tea and it's quite delicious tasting it's not yucky or anything like that shanja is in that Bauher one formula uh, um, another one would be um, Shen Chu. Shen Chu is like a, almost some people think no one really knows what's in Shen Chu because it's a accumulation of lots of different herbs that are then baked. And it when you buy it, it's sort of sold like a little cake, almost like a pua tea it looks like. It's not tea. It's not, it's not Camellia Sensus tea. It's um, various herbs kind of baked into this cake so um you can chop off a little bit of that shen chu but some chinese people just drink it as a digestive tea so that's kind of what this does so if you've got a trouble with constipation on a regular basis you could try these um food stagnation treating formulas or herbs especially these one-off herbs as teas that are just going to generally promote the, the movement of food through that and some of them have a, a more stronger heat clearing effect than others so for instance Bauher one has that now I wouldn't encourage people to live off of those herbs like as in have them every day if that's the case you probably want to go to a practitioner and get your situation seen to so that you can take a proper course of herbs get it resolved and then move on and if you need to then take a follow-up formula that's more to kind of protect and tonify your body um, but these formulas are good to have handy for when you do need them. So if you've had a big night out and you're hungover and you come home before you go to bed, 
you could take this. If you're really hungover and you're sick the next day, like you're vomiting or you're feeling really nauseous and got a headache and all that hangover kind of symptoms, then you can use those either the po chai pills or the Bauher one pills. Now, if in the case when you're really hungover and you can't stomach any food down, this is the same as if you're hungover or you're sick. So if you've got food poisoning, I always take these these pills overseas with me like these herbs so i either take the po chai pills even when i go to china i always take them with me because it, i can't guarantee what i can get there um and when the when it strikes you you want to be able to get onto it straight away because there's nothing worse than traveling overseas and being sick so a lot of australians travel to bali indonesia and they call it bali belly right so you get this often from drinking contaminated water it's just got different bacterias and things like that that you're not used to drinking, you know, or you've accidentally drunk the water and you're not supposed to drink it because they don't filter it or something like that. Anyway, if this happens, you need to address it straight away. You don't want to kind of be incapacitated for your whole holiday <laughs> if you can help it. So you just take a small amount of those, maybe one or two of those pills with some water. And then, you know, if you, if you, if the nausea is subsiding a bit, then in a few hours you could take a couple more and that kind of thing. Do it like that. Um, sometimes when you have already this situation with food stagnation, you take a whole load of herbs, it can, you can actually have an effect of making you vomit, which is sometimes what's needed, but it also means that you've vomited up the herbs. So if that's not needed and you've vomited up the herbs, so then um, you, you kind of back at the square one and you've still got the nausea, that kind of thing. So to just talk about what the bowels would be like um, you may have diarrhea and constipation with that and you certainly would usually have this foulness to the smell like you know the um, a strong smelling bowels is associated with heat so um, there can be could be nausea and vomiting and like that indigestion kind of thing what we we're talking about before um, this is one of the cases where your tongue coating probably would be noted, very noted, noted. It'll be thick and greasy looking, uh, depending on what's happened. It could be yellowy colored, but if you don't normally have a thick coating on your tongue, often from the food stagnation, these patterns, you'll have a thick tongue coating. In TCM, they use tongue diagnosis a lot. I don't talk about it a lot on this channel because I don't use it much in my practice anymore in classical Chinese medicine. We mostly use the pulse and but there are some instances where tongue diagnosis is like more um, less, I should just say less misleading because the problem with tongue diagnosis is it can show you things that have been going on a long time and not what's necessarily relevant now. And then it takes that practitioner's um, judgment to work that out. So as a lay person, it just can be more complicated, but the coating of your tongue is something that definitely changes very quickly. And it could change from like if you'd had no coating or not much of a thick coating, you'd feel it in your mouth. You'll, you'll wake up and you'll feel like, oh, my, I feel like this cotton mouth, this fairy mouth. And often with food stagnation, people get a bad breath. And that could be part of this pattern too, because you've, you've got this, this furry tongue coating and it's going to make that bad breath smell, right? So that's all to do with heat. Like heat's going to congeal the fluids, congeal the fluids on the tongue and make them make that coating very thick and, and sometimes even yellowy kind of colored could be the case. So the next one is this um, pattern of phlegm, phlegm accumulation, and that's just, that's only mentioned here. It's not mentioned in the Giovanni book. Basically causing some somewhat similar to the chi stagnation situation because phlegm can obstruct the movement of chi. And so then there's not enough movement to move the bowels kind of out. 
Um, so even they say in this book, phlegm is complete is frequently complicated by or is a complication of liver cheese stagnation or food stagnation. So you know there's a there's a lack of movement, and then when there's that lack of movement, there's a stagnation that's building up. Now you might have associated this with dampness. We don't really use dampness in the terms of constipation. It's more used in the terms of diarrhea. Um, but this is a similar mechanism, except phlegm is like you could think of it as a more heartier, <laughs> a more substantial form of dampness. And like certainly this kind of blockage. So you'll have similar symptoms to those damp symptoms. You'll have the foggy headedness. I'm just going to read some of the stuff from this book here. So the features, the clinical features or the symptoms would be chronic constipation or sluggish stools, which are not dry and they may contain mucus. Um, that's a form of like the phlegm, right? The physical phlegm. Now, in what, what conditions does this happen in? Things like Crohn's disease, where there's infection in the bowel, like there can be mucus in the bowel, like, um, you know, we're probably not in this case so much, but you can have what they call red and white diarrhea blood and pus in the stools. Now, if we're getting towards these kinds of conditions, you certainly would want to see a practitioner about that. So if you ever notice that there's blood in your stools, um, then or, or phlegm or pus in your stools and you've got pain or you, you, you don't have pain, these are things you want to kind of address with a practitioner um, before you go, either your Chinese medicine practitioner or your Western medicine practitioner, you want to get that stuff seen to because it could mean that you've got an infection in your bowel um, you could have an abscess in there you could have a diverticulitis um, Crohn's disease um, you know this these can happen as complications of um, irritable bowel syndrome so someone might have had this stuff for a while but they haven't had any of these symptoms and then suddenly they've got this symptom there um, you can you know you don't you know your doctor would want to check you for things like cancer and stuff like that. So I'm not trying to alarm anyone here and say you've got this if we've got phlegm in your bowels you've got cancer, but you need to be aware that these these are more severe symptoms. These are not just food stagnation, little symptoms, right? As in these are things that might have if you've got these symptoms, a much more established pattern of disharmony is already going on to cause those symptoms. You might have not noticed it. Uh, you might have thought that your previous things that are symptoms were actually normal and you've just gone on with your life. You know, some people have very high tolerance to, to changes in their body or resilience to that and they don't notice it. They don't even really notice that there's pain there or something like that. So, um, yes, be, go and be vigilant. Make sure you've been checked in that way. Um, especially if you have other risk factors for these things like your age, um, your your, um, your smoking status, that kind of stuff. Like if those things are risk factors, make sure you go and get those regular checkups. Um, okay, so that's phlegm accumulation. So you can have these symptoms that are similar to dampness, like with this foggy headedness, cloudy headedness. Um, the tongue might be, you know, have that greasy kind of coat all the time on there. Um, you know, a tendency to be puffy and ob obese and hard to lose weight. That kind of thing can happen with the body shape for people with, with phlegm and doubt. So um, I'm not going to give too much about the points for that stuff because the prescriptions, like the as in there's nothing really, uh, it's not like the one point wonder for that stuff. It's That's really something you want to check with your practitioner if that was the pattern going on. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is deficiency. So what if um, 
it's nothing to do with what you you what you what you're eating as such, but your the function of your body is not working properly. So this would be things like blood deficiency, qi deficiency, yin deficiency, and yang deficiency. They're the four things that can become deficient, and they can also be part of the patterns in um, Chinese medicine. So, like I said before, with heat, you're going to get this drying of the bowels, and the bowels don't like that. They don't want to become completely dry; otherwise, you will get hard. It will get very hard to go. So that's the first pattern that's probably the easiest pattern to address with herbs or food-based herbs and foods is the blood deficiency pattern and the dryness of the stools. So what will happen is you'll get dry, pebbly kind of stools. Um, so it might be a lot of pushing and it's hard to get out because what can happen is the more deficient that you get, the, heart, the less energy you've got to push. So... Um, a, a big component of how we treat this in herbal medicine are, are things like nuts and seeds. Not so much nuts in herbs, but seeds are used a lot. So one of the major herbs in Chinese medicine for the treatment of this is um, hemp seeds. So um, that would be ground and then um, mixed into mixed into pills with other ingredients, right? So not, we're not going to talk about that exact formula because you need to go to a practitioner to get that. But you can start the journey of using those kinds of things by using the oil that you can usually buy of hemp seed. So you could try hemp seed oil. If you can't get that, you could use sesame seed oil. And you want to take a teaspoon of that oil, not cooked, just raw oil. So you can either just swallow it down, like the old days where they used to give people castor oil. <laughs> um, I wouldn't use castor oil because it's a bean and it's going to be a lot more purging to you and not as much not as it's going to be more harsher on your digestion um, than than these other things so sesame seed oil or hemp seed oil so you want to take a teaspoon of that now you could just sprinkle it onto some food that you're eating um, but you don't want to fry the oil you just want to have the oil in its in its raw form so that would be the first protocol is to try that. So the next thing you could try is something like these fruits. So I've got some common fruits here that can be used to moisten the bowels and get things moving. The first one that's the easiest fruit to use would be bananas. So bananas are very soft and um, easy to digest and you can just eat that banana raw. It's one of the only fruits in Chinese medicine that we don't really cook that much. It might surprise you that in Chinese medicine they do cook a lot of fruits, right? So the weaker your body is, the more deficient it is. So especially if you know you have a spleen chi deficiency and your practitioner's told you not to eat much raw foods, then try not to have these raw fruits. Just have them cooked. And you can cook fruits very easily. I'll talk to you about how to do that in a minute. The next one would be pears. Pears are very moistening and they're very easy to stew and steam so you basically could get this pear wash it cut it up take the core out and then just put it into a bowl with a little bit of water and you could either steam that you know or double boil that uh, or you could put it in the even in the microwave with that little bit of water in there um, that just stops it drying out more and th that'll make this very very easy to eat so just the old-fashioned stewed pears right if you know how to make that look up a recipe for that you can add ginger, you can add cinnamon to it. It's going to taste really delicious if you add cinnamon. You can make stewed pears and apples together. 
I would definitely avoid the apples eating them raw if you're weak, displaying sheet efficient. Um, you can have some raw pear, but you're going to feel better if you have it stewed or steamed, cooked in some way. If you've got a lot of cold in your digestive system, um, you're very sensitive to the raw stuff, you could steam or stew any of these fruits and add a little bit of ginger with it, and that's going to help to warm it. Right. So especially if you had yang deficiency, you could, for sure, you'd want to be having it with the ginger. Um, apricots are another one. So here's a little... A little apricot um, and also a peach so you can use stewed apricots um, sometimes these can be almost like when they're overly like they're very ripe this is nice and soft I'm gonna probably eat this <laughs> at the end of this video um, you can you could eat these raw especially if they're only a small fruit a lot of people turn to fruits just naturally to move their bowels like they might even have some dried fruit um, but if your bowels are sensitive to, okay, you might not be able to go and then you have the dried fruit, then you're like, whoa, like, <laughs> hold up, hold up a minute. Like it's all coming out. The way to coax that fruit into your system a bit easier would be to steam it or stew it. So that, that's some of the things. This is a little peach here. This is a white, I think this is all a white flesh peach. can't remember which one's which. I think this is the white flesh peach and this is the... The darker flesh peach anyway i went to the fruit store yesterday <laughs> bought a whole bunch of fruit for this video so um pears are something that's probably more handier to talk about because these fruits are only in season certain times so where i live it's summer right now and these fruits are all in season so if that's the case and they're in season they're easy to get use them but pears seem to last a long time in storage so they can last quite a while in your fridge and then you can have them there for when you kind of need them other thing that pears are good for at, compared to these fruits these stone fruits is pears don't create more damp or phlegm in your body whereas these fruits are very thick and juicy and rich and they can so if you have the tendency to dampness and or phlegminess in your throat don't go for these go for the pear okay if you have a tendency towards eating fruits and then feeling cloggy in your throat or you know that you are needing your voice to talk a lot so I, I do this a lot when I'm teaching my classes I might talk for three hours six hours straight sometimes and it's at quite a volume and you're pushing a lot of air through your vocal cords and that makes you dry now you can drink water which is great but then if you also eat pears or apricots are good if you have an extreme amount of dryness and you don't easily get dampness you could go for these things but if you also get phlegmy and damp and you don't want that then pears are the go okay pears are like likened to your lungs if you open them up they look like a lung inside there and this is called the doctrine of signatures when in chinese medicine we think um, natural medicine they think about different fruits and foods and things in nature mimicking what they do for us so they're the, they're my go-to things bananas are great because they're usually well tolerated even by people that have some kind of deficiency. They can have some raw. So please just follow your own practitioner's advice about how much raw you should have or if, if at all. But if you're not sure, then go for mostly cooked stuff and see how you tolerate it. And if you feel good on it, we'll just keep having them the cooked stuff. It's great. If you're worried about cooking in a microwave, you don't need to do that at all. You can just um, simply put it in a double boil 
um, on your stove. You can um, put it in a little steaming basket that you can buy from Asian grocery stores, those little um, wicker kind of steaming baskets, bamboo steaming baskets. And you put a little bit of water underneath and you put that steaming basket in the top and you, and you cut your fruit up and off you go. So delicious. So that's what I would recommend. So I'll just very quickly run through some of these patterns so you can kind of understand the difference. But it's from a self-treatment perspective, it's not going to be that much different what you're doing. So it, from, for blood deficiency, that can affect your skin. Um, you, people often get pale skin. They get very dizzy or lightheaded getting up. Uh, they, their hair can be withered or falling out very easily, thinning hair kind of thing. Blood deficiency is usually caused by a blood losing situation. So as in you've lost blood from having an accident, having a certain need, needed to have a surgery, had a lot of children, had traumatic birth. If you have had a baby and you had a traumatic birth, um, just having a baby makes people more likely to be blood deficient than not so the the more kids you've had the closer together having miscarriages things like that can make you have more tendency to blood deficiency if women have a very heavy menstrual cycle that would lead you to blood deficiency over time as well because you every time you're having that heavy bleeding you're losing blood so that's the case also your diet might not be enough blood tonification in conjunction with that loss of blood or for someone that's just prone to the blood deficiency and their diet's not great. So for instance, being vegan or vegetarian, um, I've got other videos on, on how to help with that. Some of the foods that are more um, uh, tonic to blood, particularly would be purple foods, red foods, so things that are nourishing and moistening. So most of these fruits are still nourishing and moistening and, and the vegetables are as well. But if you go for the purple or the red ones, so things like raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, they're going to moisten the bowels, but they're also nourishing blood. Um, beetroot's another food that's used to, to tonify blood. So that's the blood deficiency pattern. Um, and this isn't an exhaustive, it isn't an exhaustive list of what these patterns are, because again, you need to go see your practitioner, but this is just the general gist of it. Um, and the stools are going to be sort of dry, pebbly stools. That's the characteristics of, of blood deficiency. So the stools are dry. Qi deficiency um, involves lots of other organs often. So it can be involved the lungs and the spleen. It can also involve the kidneys. But it, it, essentially what it is is a lack of push to push the bowels out. So it can be very tiresome to go. The person might spend a long time on the toilet trying to go and it's almost like, oh, all this effort for hardly any... <laughs> any reward like it's very um hard to go literally that's part of the chi deficiency pattern um usually with chi deficiency people have less energy they feel very easily tired and this can be on a scale of like the the the, the weaker you are the more deficient you are the more you kind of have this need to lie down and that's bordering towards more of a yang deficiency where a person needs to sleep in the day they don't have an energy to kind of just propel themselves throughout the day. So um, that that deficiency of chi is like not enough energy to kind of literally push the bowels, uh, push do, do the peristalsis sort of aspect of it. In TCM, there's also this pattern of yin deficiency. So we don't have this pattern in classical Chinese medicine. We don't think of it in the same way. But essentially what's going to happen is the body's going to be weaker, deficient, 
the stools will be similar to the blood deficiency ones, like they'll be dry and pebbly kind of stools, like a rabbit dropping sort of stools. And um, they can they could have some of these blood deficiency pattern things like the dryness of the face, dry skin, um, that kind of stuff that's similar, like the hair withering and falling out, that kind of stuff. The, the key thing with yin deficiency is this heat that, that people have, so a feeling of vexation and heat, um, disturbance, like they feel maybe, especially at night, they could have um, uh, disturbed dreams, feeling very restless at night because they're hot. And in classical Chinese medicine, they think of this as yang deficiency, but that heat is kind of that weak yang floating up and it's still part of yang deficiency. Uh, whereas in TCM, the pattern of yin deficiency is just thinking about um, that the yin is deficient, so the yang is floating outwardly. And so the way they treat it is to tonify the yin, whereas in classical Chinese medicine, they're just they're tonifying the yang. It's so actually using warm herbs. Both tonification, but different methodologies of treating it. So just so people are aware about the differences there. But I'm just said I would outline all these different patterns in there. So it's very common for people to have um, when they're deficient, whether it's yin or yang deficiency, they feel vexed and and annoyed by this heat. And this could be like seen in menopause symptoms as well. But um, in 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 TCM, they can have this or in classical Chinese medicine, this deficient yang with sort of deficient yang floating and things like that can happen to men as well. It's not just necessarily a menopausal thing, but it is a very common explanation for those menopausal symptoms. So um, the way we treat it is to tonify. So we want to tonify that yang or tonify that yin, depending on which system of Chinese medicine you're following. Um, it's a very common situation as people age. Um, it's a very common natural thing that's going to happen. Like, unfortunately, our yang doesn't last forever. Otherwise, we would live forever. But it can also be triggered to exponentially go quicker if something's happened to you. Like, you've you've had lots of chronic illness and you haven't been able to recover from that. Like, post-viral fatigue syndromes and things like that. Chronic fatigue syndromes. People that have suffered with a with a sweating or a feverish kind of illness for a few months or something has really depleted you um, even traumatic things shocks and um, emotional stuff that you've gone through and if you if your body hasn't had the ability to recover properly sometimes it's culminative because of diet and lifestyle and you know then if people have put on weight they are putting more pressure on their body because of the stresses of life they've put on the weight and things like that or the lack of being able to exercise so often these deficiency patterns, whether it be blood deficiency, yin deficiency, yang deficiency, or qi deficiency, they're often the cause of them is multifaceted. They're difficult, um, what we call knotty problems <laughs> in Chinese medicine. So there are things you can do to help yourself, but that's often not enough to solve the, the, the problem because the, the cause needs to be addressed. Otherwise, the problem will just come back again. So definitely in all of these cases, the person wants to nourish their spleen and stomach, stick to a warm diet, as in mostly cooked foods most of the time. Go and watch that video I made ages ago. Why eat mostly cooked foods? 
that's what you want to do. You want to eat warm, cooked and moist and stay away from cold, dry and raw. So particularly dry in these cases are going to exacerbate constipation. Um, so dry foods are crackers, um, fried things, the drying cooking methods are things like baking, where moisture is being taken away from the food. And if you use moist cooking methods, you're adding moisture to the foods. So that's um, going to help you. All right, on that note, let's just go to this book. And this is a very commonly used uh, TCM uh, book in Chinese medicine school. Um, this is actually the book I used when I was studying Chinese medicine. <laughs> and uh, so it's, had its, it's had its use. <laughs> it's a good one. And uh, so we're going to go just to constipation and look at the patterns and the things that are mentioned here. So he mentions um, the, the Liu, Liu Ji Lin, is the author here. He mentions accumulation of heat, deficiency of blood, qi deficiency, and yang deficiency. So in general, saying, um, oh, yes, so in general, recommending um, fresh and soft vegetables like spinach, carrot, tremella and wood ears so these are types of funguses really good the i was in my shop yesterday and i found some black fungus that's fresh which was awesome because in the past it wasn't popular in australia and you could only buy the dried versions of it so these are there are different kinds of funguses wood ears is, a, is um what you might call black fungus or um you know that's different names but these are asian funguses <laughs> sounds, sounds a bit gross to eat a fungus but it's a kind they're kind of a mushroom so mu mushrooms can also be used for these things too um fresh fruits such as pear peach bananas and figs so that's all the stuff almost all that i mentioned there um have the effect of moistening the bowels and things like sesame honey walnut sweet almonds and pine nuts so all nuts can moisten the bowels i'd stick away from peanuts and peanut oil, um, it's peanut oil is probably not as bad, but in general, just you don't, you don't, you wouldn't want to eat the peanut oil. In that, um, you want to have the hemp seed oil or the sesame oil as the oil treatment. And again, not heaps of oil, just a teaspoon a day, and and then go by the guidance of your practitioner if they advise you to have more of that. Um, so foods to avoid pungent and spicy, hot and irritating things like chili, garlic and peppers should not be eating, eaten. So particularly if you have hot bowels already. So if you had one of the first patterns we mentioned, which is like, you know, you had the alternating constipation and diarrhea and you've got burning, <laughs> burning, a burning backside. Um, you've got Johnny Cash <laughs> going on down there. Don't have, don't have spicy foods, I think. You'd probably know, you'd probably realize that for yourself. Okay, so um, some of these uh, treatments is um, here. Now, one of the reasons this book's good is because it's very uh, academic in the sense that it's lots of things are referenced from the tech, textbooks that he's drawing these things from. But there's a lot of Chinese um, recipes, foods that you just can't buy in Australia or get. Like I've, you know, sometimes recommending things like turtle soup or something that just can't have in Australia because we, we can't eat those foods so not all of these are going to be suitable but I will give you some of some of them here okay so for the heat um, he's saying make a soup with water spinach and cluster mallow 
250 grams of each, that's quite a lot, boiling that up into a soup, adding 50 grams of sesame seed oil and some salt to season. Eat the vegetables and drink the soup. Cluster mallow is kind of like a lettuce looking fruit, uh, food. So it, you could have, you might have something similar to that. All of your leafy green vegetables are going to have a clearing heat property. So particularly like all these, all kinds of lettuces that have a bitter kind of flavor to them, that kind of stuff can, could be used. And yes, they do cook lettuce in China. <laughs> I've seen lettuce boiled, steamed, uh, <laughs> all kinds of things like that. All right, deficiency of blood. Um, the recommended diet is a gruel, which is a congee. So they use the word gruel, but congee or juk or rice porridge. So generally you make rice porridge with um, seven times water to the one times rice, and then you may add some other things into it. So let's see what the recipe is here. So he's saying use spinach and glutinous rice. So glutinous rice is the sticky rice. It doesn't contain any gluten, but it's just what in um, Chinese culture they often call it sticky rice. So it's often used for sweets as well, like um, desserts. So um, a gruel with or, or a congee with spinach and glutinous rice, 200 grams of each. So that's quite a lot again. So a massive, if you you know, a massive pile of spinach um, with the 200 grams of rice. Blanch the spinach in boiling water and cook the glutinous rice in the spinach water to make the gruel. So you blanch the spinach, put it like you basically bring the the water to the boil. You put that spinach in and you quickly take it out. So you usually do it in like a, a steaming, a, a sieving basket, something like that. Put it in, um, take it out. So you just remove that because if you keep that spinach in there, it's going to lose um, most of its properties. And then that water, you're using that to cook the rice in. And then you add the spinach back into the gruel and or into the back into the congee. And then you can sort of bring it to the boil. So you add that in like right at the end. Of the, of the process. Spinach can nourish the yin and replenish blood, moisten the intestines and aid the bowel movements. Okay, so he's also saying that you can add 30 grams of knotweed, which is polygonium or um, hujung, a Chinese herb, into the, into the recipe as well to enhance its effects. So you just add that, add that in with the spinach and do the same thing again. You, you, um, you um, wouldn't blanch it, you just add it in at the final in the cooking process. The next one is qi deficiency. So he's saying the recommended diet is um, huang qi decoction made with um, huang qi, dried mandarin peel and hemp seeds decocted together, adding 100 grams of honey. What the recipe is, is 15 grams of huang qi or astragalus. That's a very common herb. It's easy to get hold of that herb from, you can buy it from most Chinese food shops. Um, they usually have a little herbal section and Huang Chi often looks like um, popsicle sticks. It's not the best to buy it like that, but if that's the only way you can get it, it's still Huang Chi. But sometimes they dip the ends in something to, to coat them. Uh, but you can just buy it cut up into pieces from, from a herbalist as well. So this is a, a very strong tonic herb, like just a, a common tonic herb. It's used a lot in Western naturopathic medicine and things like that as well. So you have 15 grams of huang chi, 5 grams of dried mandarin peel. Now you can just make that from your own mandarins. When you, after you've eaten the fruit, keep the peel 
and just dry it. So you either need to put it into a dehydrator to dry it, put it into, you can do very, very, very low heat in um, something like an air fryer or something like that, very low heat in that, um, or just naturally dry it if you live in a dry place. Um, so keeping your mandarin peels is a good idea because these are um, chi moving herbs. So five grams of that and 10 grams of your hemp seeds decocted together. So that means boiling, bringing it to the boil together, like you'd be boiling up a, a, a formula of herbs. Add 100 grams of honey to the decoction, which would be the same as 100 mils. So grams and mils in that sense are the same, which should be drunk once, once a day. So this is going to moisten the boughs, move the chi a little bit with the, with the mandarin peel, but also tonify. So the huang chi is the main thing to kind of tonify. And then we've got this yang deficiency. Um, so the foods there are um, mutton and non-glutinous rice in a congee where, where you can add some scallion stalks or um, spring onions into the mix at the end. You always use those things at the very end because they just lose their chi, <laughs> lose their plot. They lose their chi very quickly in the heat of the cooking. So you, only, you just cut them very finely and add them on, on top. Uh, all kinds of meats would be used in this case. So you, you, you could use lamb, you could use mutton, you could use um, steak or things like that that you have. You, could, you can use chicken, chicken stock. As a porridge, like a, the cooking the meat with the rice is going to make it very easy to digest. And um, the, all the juices from that meat and the marrow, particularly of the bones, if you've put the bones into it, are going to go into the mixture. So you're getting like a bone broth kind of a, a scenario there. You can also add ginger into the recipe. So he's kind of mentioning that there. He's got some other things, but they're very sort of strange hard to get things so we won't bother with that um, you can add the spring onion and the salt to season and you just eat that as part of your diet so that there some recipes and some food things you can use to help with constipation so I hope this video has been informative and useful and helpful I know it's a long one and it's much more of a tutorial type of video um, to give you an explanation of stuff and this is is at you know, partway between a beginner level, entry level to Chinese medicine and uh, an actual practitioner, someone studying Chinese medicine. If you're interested in studying Chinese medicine um, and you're not sure that you want to be a practitioner yet, but you want to study it a bit more, I do have some courses that are kind of at the level of this video, but even in more detail. And there's handouts and there's PowerPoints and things like that. So you can click the link below to find out more about my courses. I do them live and I also have some on demand, which means they've already been recorded and you can just access them straight away. And I do have one on gut health, which is basically a three part course, three hours each time. So nine hours of teaching and it kind of gives you a really in-depth way of thinking about your spleen and stomach, how to look after your health for longevity, for living a long, healthy life. So in Chinese medicine, we think human beings should live 100 healthy years if you look after your body. And that's kind of what this um, this idea of treating your spleen and stomach well and how to intervene when something goes wrong very quickly and how to assess, okay, my bowels are doing this, that must mean that this has happened. And you, you can kind of address those things very quickly. 
when something's been happening for a long time you've and you've already got a deficiency thing it's harder to treat it with foods it, foods can certainly make a difference in supporting the treatment though like um i've seen patients where they didn't do any food interventions or stuff themselves and it takes longer with acupuncture and herbs to get them get get the symptoms less or to get the results that they're looking for whereas if people are willing to do the food and the the lifestyle changes it definitely helps and hopefully you won't need those things because you're if you're looking after your body from a young age you're going to try to prevent these things from taking hold in your body that's kind of what chinese medicine's about it's it's really mostly about preventative practices so i hope that you've enjoyed this video <laughs> thanks for sticking with it all this time and uh, subscribe to the channel and i'll um, if you've got a question as well a question about chinese medicine feel free to ask it and i'll do my best to answer the questions that i get on this channel so have a great day and i'll see you on another video soon